The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to It Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres speaking. I am here virtually distanced, of course, all by myself, uh, because on this week's show we have a pretty jam-packed episode. We have um, two Jaybird and Lee segments, a brand new segment to the show. We have Chris Wosley's Chris Picks for Chicken Soup of the Soul, and L-Man Jenny Feldy interviews producer Lucky Steve. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the brief news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. So as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 27 years of pop cultureness and comic book stuff, for more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com, and their next convention is scheduled for the 25th and 26th of March of this year. Um, I believe tickets are on sale right now. Also, we want to give our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, News, the famous resident media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin Array, Rosa, and the Huracan. You want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com. There's a little button over there that takes you right to our Patreon page, and just for a dollar a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. We would greatly appreciate it. As I mentioned, we're going to have just a quick bit of news. So from the... That's a lot of nuts! ...department. The new Avatar sequel has held on to the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in an additional $15.9 million in ticket sales in its seventh week of release, beating out Puss in Boots Part 2, which pulled in an additional $10.4 million in its sixth week of release. For those of you keeping track, the new Avatar sequel is the highest grossing film of this year so far, with $221 million, followed by Puss in Boots with $85.6 million. I have yet to see uh, Avatar. I'm going to get around to it, probably by the time it gets knocked off of the number one spot. Uh, but I did see Puss in Boots, and it is a really uh, surprisingly good movie. Uh, Family-friendly, entertaining, has multi-levels, anything you want to see in an in a animated film, which has jokes for the kids. And jokes for the adults as well. And I also want to mention that it's uh, interesting that we're now at seven weeks uh, for the Avatar sequel. I believe the previous one uh, was also at seven weeks and then it got knocked off by a little uh, tidbit which was um, the, what was that movie? Um, Lost World? No. Um, Will Robinson, Danger Will Robinson. I can't think of it right now. I'm sure it will come to me. Good job, Mark, with my research. Um, but uh, we're still holding on to see if it'll make it to 15 weeks. I believe that is the longest-running uh, film, which would be Titanic as the number one. So we'll see how that goes. So with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with Came From The Radio. Lost in Space, that was the name of the show. We'll be right back with Came From The Radio. 
Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and the Godfather intro. Part two. Godfather part two. You guys are obsessed with this song. Oh my gosh. It's a good one. It's a good one. Alright, so tell me. Alright, so this is Godfather part two. Yep. What's what we're going to talk about? Okay. Michael How Corleone. much better Godfather one was. Wait, you no, think Godfather no. 1 was better than Godfather 2? Well, you no, do, Riley, for sure. I don't know, actually. I think Godfather 2... Hmm? Robert De Niro was good. Robert De Niro was really this good. This is the right one movie. I'm thinking of, right? Yeah, yes. this is the okay. one where yeah. De Niro... I think, I think he, this might be my favorite one. De Niro was incredible. Although there was a lot of tension in the first one. It's, I don't know. The first and the second are pretty good. Yeah, third one was you okay. You know, if the second part of Robert De Niro was in the first one... Ooh, that would have been good. So they were considering that Godfather 1 and 2 are the one, are some of the top five of the best films of all time. What are the now, other ones? Well, Citizen Kane, which you guys haven't seen. Well, the other ones. Fight Club, that I still can't watch yet. Fight Club, no, not yet. We're not there, Fight Club. This is Godfather 2, please. We're talking okay, about okay, that, okay. okay? So what did you like about Godfather 2 here? Because this was about him taking control over like a casino in Vegas and but also how he escaped and he went to um, what was it called um Italy? what's that pizza called Sicily yes Sicily Sicilian Sicilian yes but that but he no he escaped he went to Sicily uh, he went to Sicily he went to that one in the first movie that's why you like the first movie because he went to Sicily. He went to Sicilian town. He went to Sicily. 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 I can't say it right now. I don't know why. Can't but, say autobiographical either. Autobiographical. Autobiographical. Yeah, exactly. I got it the first time. <laughs> autobiographical. All right, anyway, so that's why you like the first one. But the second one here is kind of like where he was in Sicily, actually, how he started, right? So, what's so funny? Are you like, when she yawned, her eyes widened, uh, and her mouth was just like... Oh my gosh, this is a show of the show. This is supposed to be a Godfather Part 2 show. Okay, all Godfather right. Part 2. Okay, so, alright, so Michael Corleone is betrayed in this one, right? Yeah, yeah. his best friend uh, just uh, his best friend? killed his wife. No, his bodyguard killed his wife. No, his bodyguard was fine in this one. I'm thinking of number three. You're thinking of the third one, man. This is the one where his his he's betrayed by his brother, Fredo. Remember? Oh, yes. Fredo's a rat. Right. Fredo's a rat. Yeah, I don't like Fredo. Yeah, Fredo's a weirdo. He looks like Fry. The first one I felt bad for him, but then the second one I was like, really? Yeah, you messed up. But the reason why is because he wanted to live... Well, it's not that he was just, you know... No, my guess, or just not up to speed in the mafia ways, or he couldn't really figure out how to like run a business. I have a question: Is this based on a true story? No, no, mm. no. But anyway, it's also just it's because this guy looked up to his brother 
And he shouldn't have been looking at... He was the number two brother. He was the second brother, and he felt that he was... He should have been um, more respected, and he wasn't, so he tried to make his own way, and people manipulated him. And he, yes, he was kind of not intelligent enough to kind of realize that was going on. But also, this is the point where his wife realizes that he's ne that Michael Corleone's never going to change. Yeah, yeah. And he leaves, leaves him, tries to leave. You know. Mm hmm Oh yeah, that was a. Whew, that was a scene. Yeah, that was a bad scene, right? Because that was the yeah. whole thing. So anyway, do we like this movie? Yes. Yes. But okay. the first one was better. I like. I mean, I gotta say there the. the Robert De Niro part was pretty awesome. I wish there was, like... That I, was really good. I think a lot of it was good. And then he, like... Yeah, I think a lot of it was good. It was, again, considered one of the best movies of all time. So Rightfully. Yeah. All right. So, good. Yep. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. To the Godfather. To the Godfather. Look for part three. Soon. <sighs> Hello friends, this is Ranger Rob and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. Hey, it came from the radio fans. It's Chris Woolsey, the king of streaming, here to tell you about what's cooking on Chicken Soup for the Soul streaming in January. So a lot of you know Chicken Soup for the Soul from their inspirational book series, but what you might not realize is that Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment also has a free streaming service. You can watch thousands of movies and TV series aimed at women. Um, you can watch them at any time, always for free. Just go to your favorite app store and download the Chicken Soup for the Soul app for your connected TV, for your tablet, your mobile device, and you can start watching. You can also, if you watch on your laptop or desktop, just go to chickensouptv.com and you can cast it to your TV that way as well. Um, and this month, we've got a ton of great stuff. Obviously, um, Chicken Soup of the Soul is known for their inspirational content, and we've got a, a bunch of really fun rom-coms this month. We've got Love and Full Swing, which is a Chicken Soup for the Soul original. So uh, like a lot of other streaming services, Chicken Soup uh, for the Soul has uh, original content that you can only see on Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, on the app. And one of those is Love in Full Swing. It's a really fun rom-com. Uh, this romance author decides that she is going to help her best friend, uh, this lonely guy, discover the love of his life. And in that process, she realizes that she's actually the love of his life. And she needs to, to decide whether or not she is going to help him to complete this journey with the, the woman he's, she's set him up with or if she's going to take the big risk 
open her heart and tell him how she feels. It's great. Um, also, we have bestsellers uh, with Michael Caine and Aubrey Plaza, who you might remember from uh, Parks and Recreation. This is a hilarious comedy. Uh, Aubrey Plaza plays this young woman who inherits her father's failing publishing business. And in order to save the company, she has to go on a book tour with Michael Caine, who plays this unhinged author uh, who just makes her life a living nightmare. Um, really fun stuff. Check that one out. We also have, speaking of big stars, Senior Moment, starring William Shatner and Gene Smart. Uh, William Shatner plays an ex-NASA pilot who loses his vintage convertible because he's drag racing teenagers. And um, in the process of being forced to take public transit, which he despises, this lifelong affirmed bachelor meets Gene Smart and learns that it may not be too late to discover love. And um, really cute, really funny, and Shatner is maybe the most Shatner he's ever been. Uh, It's a great one. Check it out. Um, Also, we have a deal with uh, the BBC that gives us tons of BBC content on Chicken Soup for the Soul. And one of those series uh, that I just discovered uh, that I'm super excited about is called Doc Martin. And um, this is uh, starring Martin Clure, who you might remember from Shakespeare in Love. And he plays this world-famous surgeon who may or may not be somewhere on the spectrum, uh, but he's a genius and has a nervous breakdown. And in order to recover, he takes a job as a general practitioner in this tiny little British village on the coast and immediately starts butting heads with everyone in town because of his abrasive bedside manner. Um, Super fun. Um, If you like... um, Saving Ned Divine or Waking Ned Divine, it's in that kind of same vein. I highly recommend it. Check it out. I also, uh, speaking of doctors, love uh, the series Bromwell, which is kind of like um, it's it's sort of like Downton Abbey meets Doctor Quinn, Medicine Woman. So it's about a, a young woman who's a doctor in Victorian England who chooses to open up her clinic in the poorest area of London and then has to overcome not only the financial hurdles of trying to keep the clinic uh, uh, open, but also try to overcome all the awful stereotypes of women in that industry, um, women who are trying to uh, you know, show that, that women could be doctors as well as men. And um, it is a beautiful series. Um, we have I think there's four seasons on there, and it is great. Highly recommended. Again, check out chickensouptv.com or download the app from your favorite app store. Thanks much. It came from the uh, radio audience, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye-bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Godfather 3. Godfather 3. Yes! 
who comes in and is the son of Sonny. Oh, yeah. Who is married. No, that was the sh- son of... Uh, no, son no, of Sonny. Sonny. He was the son of Sonny. He came out after uh, un- unwed. That's where he had two wives, right? He, well, he had a wife. Like, Sonny had a wife and a, and, and a girlfriend on the side, and the girlfriend on the side had a baby, and that was Andy Garcia's character. No, I mean Michael. Michael Didn't had... He yes, Michael had... A, yes, he had two wives. Yes, he did talk yeah. about the two wives. In this, uh, to his kids. Yeah, yeah, but one of them, but he never told um, the mom. Not until later on, eventually he did. But then, well, but the wife died. The yeah, wife blew up, right? Yeah, that's because yeah. one of the bodyguards betrayed him and blew up the car. Right, and, and that was the first movie. Hmm? See? That goes back to the first movie, your favorite one. Mm. Right? I think you have to watch that movie again. No. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, what do you mean, no? This is, like, ridiculous. If it's your favorite movie, wouldn't you want to watch it again? I guess so. I mean, I feel like Scooby Doo is your favorite stuff. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> Honestly, he's sort of gotten me hooked on Mystery Inc. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but yeah. 1969 Scooby Doo is pretty good too. Mm, I think that's for say, another. I like Mystery Inc. All right, I'm so su- I'm surprised Scooby Doo is older than uh, what's it called, Godfather. That's pretty old. Is it? Oh my yeah, God. yeah, it is. Yeah, but all right, we'll move on to. Well, it's a good one. All right, Godfather <laughs> Three. We'll do Scooby Doo another day. Okay, we'll talk about Scooby Doo and your. Experiences with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go with The Godfather Part 3 again. And you have um, Sophia Coppola, the daughter of the daughter of the director, is in the movie. She's she Yeah, she's the one who is the daughter of Michael Corleone in this film. Remember? Mm-hmm. Okay. She's, she's actually a big director now, or was a director. Um, what do you think of her? And she was trying to... Date, yeah, um, the cousin, yeah, the cousin. That was weird. Mm. That was weird. That was that weird. was weird. Yeah, that was odd. So like, but you like this? I thought you guys liked this movie mm. more than the other ones. Mm. No, nah. I remember. I mean, it was interesting, but like it moved faster. I think that's why we might have thought we did. But yeah, it didn't move. I gotta faster. say, the second one, so, second. So one. you're a fan. I think, of the I think one, I'm yeah. a second first one, but more of like. Robert De Niro part of the second one. Who's Robert De Niro? We were just talking about this. Robert De Niro, he's in like every movie now. <laughs> Who is he? He's a good he, guy. He was in he was in Goodfellas. Oh, is he, he the he, is he the guy yes. with the war with grandpa? He was at war with grandpa, yes. Oh, that that's right. Bad. All right, well, there you go. So he's that guy? Yeah, he's that guy. Oh, that guy. He's yes. been in a ton of films. He was in Godfather Three? No, no, he was two. in one and two no, two, just number two. He was good. Yeah. So anyway, with The Godfather 3, if you like 
I, I thought you at the end of this that movie you guys were like this was the best one. No, I was like no, this is Riley the wasn't. Oh, uh, he wasn't. You yeah. weren't. Riley thought, wasn't. He was like that was a good one, but number one's the one. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, I was like, I was torn between that one and number two. All right, so but I actually got hooked on number three. Like that's when I was hooked. Number three. You like number three because I wanted it to continue. Oh, okay. So you, number three, like you, for number one, I was like, this is a bit boring. Well, that's but the whole thing. But then it thing. got better. A lot of those movies in the 70s. That's because it took slow. Slow. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those movies in the 70s are slow. Everything's, you're used to all the no, Avengers fans. Some of those stuff. are my favorite, though. Yeah, because they're the better quality yeah. stories. Yeah. You know? That's the whole thing. Like, those are, like, Goodwill Hunting. When was that mean? Oh, that was in the 90s, I think. But oh. but some movies that have good stories and that take a little time to develop. That's what like it all is. Seven. seven? Oh, yeah, we'll do that another time. All right. Right, well, we gotta go. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. Bye. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hello, Radioheads. You know this is L-Man, and I'm here with producer Lucky Steve. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? <laughs> so I like to learn from mistakes. I'm a Virgo, according to that chart. They're all into being critical. So we're going to start off as a stereotypical Virgo is my sun sign. What are some of your biggest mistakes, or at least one mistake that maybe other people listening can learn from while filmmaking? A bad choice. You're like, ah, let's not do that one again. Well, you know, uh, I'm a Sagittarius, uh, and and we're very kind of like, um, just just go ahead and do the thing and give it a shot <laughs> kind mm-hmm, of people. Mm-hmm. So um, that can involve uh, a fair amount of mistakes. That process, um, we don't really plan things too much ahead of time. We just kind of, you know, uh, go for it spontaneously. And, um, luckily, um, I haven't had any major mishaps and I'm kind of, I should mention, I'm kind of new to producing, uh, cinema at least, mm-hmm. uh, I've worked Not live for, shows though. Live, live shows, shows I was doing for shows. years. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well over, well over a few hundred, actually. I used mm-hmm. to do, I used to do, I used to produce cabaret entertainment and comedy shows, burlesque shows, band nights, that kind of a thing. So I had a long history in, in New York city, um, nightlife entertainment for over 10 years and in uh, off-Broadway theater for uh, quite a number of years as well. And uh, uh, what I always really wanted to do was work in movies. And I uh, uh, got involved uh, with Trauma Entertainment uh, a few years ago when Lloyd Coffin was doing his, uh, um, <clears throat> when he was directing uh, Shakespeare's, uh, <laughs> I'm not supposed to curse, but then I can't say the, the name catch. of the movie. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> storm yes 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 you can uh, i mean you can just google it and see the uh shakespeare's poopy storm we'll just call it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. is um was was i had heard um from my uh good friend doug sackman that that film was being done and it was maybe going to be lloyd kaufman's last directorial feature and i had actually interned at trauma when i was a teenager and a uh 
a student at uh, the School of Visual Arts Film School. So I did go to film school, but I didn't actually get involved in filmmaking until much later in life. And um, yeah, so I, I first started working with Lloyd 20, oh, 22 years ago. It was um, mm-hmm. uh, 2001, and I was a, a college student, and I was uh, living in the city here. And, uh, you know, um, that was my first foray into professional filmmaking. And uh, like a lot of people who uh, started out uh, working with Lloyd, you know, I learned a lot of things. I, I learned pretty much anything you could learn. And um, uh, I went off in a lot of other directions in life. But yeah, a few years ago, I reconnected with Lloyd. Uh, he put me in his... Uh, he got me on the crew of his movie, and uh, I was specifically in charge of uh, some of the casting, is what I was doing for that film. And uh, I'm also in the movie, by the way. I have a really cool uh, scene where I mutate and I melt, <laughs> and I get fused together um, in a in an orgy with some other people. Can I say orgy? Is that is that okay? I'm for not radio? sure. We'll just move on. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see if they cut it out later. <laughs> but we'll yeah, it's happens. like, um, yeah, we, it, it was, it, the scene was very, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Society. It's a great movie, but this, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of that. A little, I would say, uh, you know, maybe a parody thereof. Uh, but yeah, I got fused together with people and there were butts and boobs and other, you know, <laughs> genitalia parts sticking out of everybody and lots of slime, lots of slime. And that was fun. But mostly I was doing casting for the. Your audio. Your audio dropped off. There we go. Um, So your uh, biggest mistake while filming or casting or editing, now that we know your whole life story and your birthplace and how your parents met. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone listening, I know, I know Steve and I have, I have great love for him. So I'm just busting his chops here. Uh, but I did ask the question about four minutes ago. So what, what, what's one of your mistakes that that happened while filming or casting or editing? (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's my biggest mistake. And I wouldn't call it a mistake because, you know, I did, I, I got the job done under the, under the, you know, we were under pressure to just get people to show up and be mm-hmm. extras in the film. And right. um, a, lot, a good chunk of that movie actually takes place in a strip club that uh, the main character uh, uh, played boy by Lloyd owns. And, and, you know, he's a, he's a mad scientist who also owns a strip club and that's a whole other that's a well, go see the movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, I had um, I had done staffing for, you know, um, for those sort of uh, places as, as part of my job when I was doing nightlife entertainment. So I knew a lot of people in that industry and I knew a lot of actors and I knew a lot of comedians and I, I, I knew all of these esoteric sort of people, uh, circus folk, freak show people, punk rock kids, weirdos, people, all kinds of people that would show up and uh, be in a weird movie for free. That's what they needed. Who can get the most mm-hmm. people to show up here and be f- for free and do weird, strange things, take off their clothes, mutate, whatever. There are and some no, we weird things in that movie, and it is really creative <laughs> and really things, cool. Yeah. Highly recommend Shakespeare. Um, Poop story. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, um, so what was fun. a mistake? So, what was what was the problem? The mistake casting? was, I would say that um, I I maybe cast my net a little too widely, and uh. so um, just for the sake <laughs> of expediency, rather than respond to all the many individual messages that I, I was receiving, uh, because I was doing other jobs on set too and acting in the right. film, 
I just I just put up a notice. Just show up here, and you know we'll find we'll find some way to put you. Okay. Um, and that's typically how it goes in a trauma film. So I wasn't really mm-hmm. doing anything out of the ordinary. But okay. I remember there were these two people that showed up, and I had worked with them maybe once before, like a, like a decade and a half earlier, where I booked them for some nightclub act or doing some freak show BS. And um, they were, one guy was a fire performer and his girlfriend was a stripper and uh, they showed up and they weren't, uh, um, we didn't really need any more people that day, but we were going to put them in the movie regardless. We're going to stick them in somewhere. But they, they started going around set, bothering everybody, asking for, for, asking for like $80. (laughs) Baby dollars Explained. I, just eighty dollars. That's all they, they were wanted. panhandling for eighty dollars from each person. They were literally panhandling on set, and they were trying to figure out who was really in charge, who was running the show. I don't think I had even uh, spoke to these people yet uh, oh, God. because I was busy being in one of the scenes uh, as an extra. And they were, uh-huh. you know, they were just going around bothering everybody. And um, the the advertisement I put out clearly said there's no pay. You get a chance to be in a really cool movie. You get to meet Lloyd Kaufman, famous famous right. movie director. He did the Toxic Avenger. He's been around right. in the business for 50 years. You'll make friends for life. You'll have a good time. We'll feed you. Mm-hmm. But there's no mm-hmm. money. Right? It's independent mm-hmm. filmmaking. Mm-hmm. There's no money. So, you know, right. To right. reiterate uh, uh, Lloyd's emphasis on that last sentence. <laughs> no money. Unbelievable. I've never but, encountered um, anyone panhandling on any set. These guys are panhandling. <laughs> well, they were like legit sideshow people, you know, like the traveling right. circus. Like they're, they're like carnies, you know, so they were going around. Right. And they, their big claim to fame, their big claim to deserving this money was that they had been extras <laughs> in the movie <laughs> Tromeo and Juliet 25 years earlier. Oh my which, goodness. You know, was not inaccurate. They're in that movie. They're not. They, they don't have any lines or anything. They're just background. You gotta but, love people um, who brag about being an extra. Like if anyone brags yeah. ever about being an extra, sorry, <laughs> automatically it's red flag, flaming red on fire, <laughs> hot Cheeto flag. It's like well, here's it, the thing it, though: when you're being thing. embarrassed of being an extra, I make sense. But uh, but yeah. But here, here's the thing, Jen: when you're yeah. casting extras. You need to puff them up because because you're not oh, paying them. So, so you want them to be able to brag to their friends. That's all they're getting out of it. Is oh, I'm well, maybe school. maybe I'm the casting I, of Tromeo and Juliet like really really puffed them up so much that over <laughs> twenty years they thought, oh my god, I'm Don Rickles, I'm like Conan O'Brien. Look at me. Oh yeah, you know? they thought they were cultural icons for sure. And, oh, and wow. I guess that's okay. maybe that maybe that is a byproduct of the um, you know low budget movie casting procedures where. You, you are trying to get people to work for free, so you, mm-hmm. you definitely inflate their egos a bit. Um, and these people were, uh, uh, were very inflated. And they say, they would say, we came all the way from uh-huh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> we drove six hours to get here. We at least deserve <laughs> money for the gas in that car. <laughs> and they were $80. 80 oh, oh, well, that's um, okay. I got it. We got one in there. We got one in there. You know where oh it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Line. You know what? Right since oh. you said a curse, I'm going to switch gears really fast. <laughs> so you were in front yeah. of the camera in a movie that I guess I'm the lead in, Tara and the Tiger Babes. And I, I believe yeah. you're in the male nudity scene. You show a lot, a lot for the camera. 
Now, yeah, I guess um, so. you'll have to just see the movie, but it's it's male total nudity, and I think you could you almost see into the inside. It's almost like a colonoscopy of nudity. <laughs> um, so what what gave you the confidence to be so unclothed and disrobed? I mean, I'm just walking around in stockings, and I'm a little insecure, but I got very comfortable with that after several shoots of this, just being in spandex. Yeah, how were you comfortable, and did you do anything to prepare for being new, well, basically nude in this movie? Um, well, yeah, I, you know, the director and writer, Brandon, uh, Brandon Bassam, he, uh, he personally fluffed me for a good 20 minutes, uh, (laughs) prior to the shoot starting. And, um, you know, so I was ready to rock and roll. I was, Mm -hmm. uh, I was feeling very confident and, you know, um, you know, only he really could have prepared me for that job. (laughs) Exfoliation or shaving or moisturizing. (laughs) No, no, no. I don't even think I showered that day, to be honest. I had to get there early and I'm a night owl and I probably just rolled out of bed and uh, scratched myself and uh, put on a thong thinking, uh, oh, and it's not going to be totally nude. So I'll just wear this and tuck it up my butt crack and they'll think I'm naked. But then, no, and it turns out, no, we're doing full nudity. But I've done nudity in in movies before and stage performances. So I don't really care. I've I, uh, yeah, what gives I've you the confidence some, you know, to be nude so freely on camera? Oh, and also uh, just be on stage, which is very revealing. You know, even with your clothes on, I mean, doing stand up—that's pretty revealing. Like, what gives you, you know, the confidence? I, I would say I'd rather be naked on stage or in a movie than 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 do a full stand up set by myself. <laughs> I hear stand-up you on that. Tough. Depends. Stand up is yeah. tough, and I've done I've done stand up comedy. Uh, my preference is sketch comedy or um, uh, cabaret entertainment, which I did a lot mm-hmm. of. I did a lot of show hosting more than mm-hmm. I did uh, traditional stand up comedy, and I did a lot of stuff as as uh, as characters, various characters. And uh, yeah, since I used to do ballet shows, one of the one of the gimmicks was you know like comical male striptease and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I'm not gonna say I was trying to be sexy because I don't think it was very sexy, but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was silly, like silly, silly nudity. And that's, Is there anything that's what we did? have in the movie. Any like routines oh. you did to feel comfortable on stage in front of people? Like and I, I have all these things I do before I talk to people or before I do anything, I have routines. I'm a little OCD. Smoke a whole lot of weed and maybe pop a Xanax, uh. drink a Drink a six pack, this is, you know, the usual. This is one. Uh, <laughs> this is one reason why I really, I really admire and adore, and really um, just appreciate Steve because I feel like his MOs for life are so different than mine, and I really appreciate <laughs> the differences. And I can get very regimented and perfectionistic and caught up in things. I mean, my procedure just before shooting is like using three types of soaps on my bodies before shooting the other films you're like ah, I don't even have to shower and you're very spontaneous which I <laughs> I'm not you know it's like oh if I'm gonna even drive someone home I need to know like five weeks ahead and you know get a, a smoke signal uh, uh, alerting me that I'll be participating in different things but um no I, I like the spontaneity I feel like you're someone that really gets in the flow of life like you really enjoy the moment and I'm always like sitting here analyzing and planning and it's kind of hard to enjoy when you're constantly planning the future. Well, you know, to be honest, I have a neurotic side, so I, I can be anxious and I can overthink things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've usually just put myself out there into so many different areas of life, uh, both uh, socially and professionally, uh, creative ventures and business ventures and whatnot. There's so much going on that, things just kind of get thrust 
upon me. Right. Um, and um, uh, during the course of the film, thankfully, nothing got thrust into me, but thrust upon me. Yes, <laughs> things just happen. And I'm in a situation where somebody's like, okay, you got to do this now. And I'm like, oh, wow, man, I don't know. And then it's just like, all right, I'll just take a rip well, and just throw myself in there. I Let's thought you'd be, I thought you'd be pretty easygoing. That's something that I would like to be more of. So I plan so much so that I can be easygoing for like six hours or a day. Oh no, we lost his camera. Oh, maybe he'll come back. Oh, there we go. Because oh, here we my go. stupid phone wants to update in the middle of a conversation. Not like, yet. Give us like I, ten minutes. I, uh, is there? I know very there, little about technology. What What deal breakers do you have when it comes to working with someone on set, whether they're an actress or producer, extra makeup artist? What's something you see and you're like, no, 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 keep them off my set. I'll be honest, there isn't many. The bar is set very low. <laughs> Not, not, I didn't say that. I'm not. That's derogatory. I'm, I'm, I'm not working for Hollywood. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have giant budgets. I, I'm lucky if I put money into a, a production, if I even make it back, let alone turn some kind of a profit. Right. I'm mostly getting my feet wet because this is something I'm, I'm rather, uh, rather new to. Um, well, you know, uh, what are the character? Know, I, what are the since you don't have so many things that cut someone out where you're like, no. Like I have a lot of notes. Um, I guess if they cost too much like? money, <laughs> they cost too much money. We like, prefer people who show up for free. That's for sure. And then what are things you really want? What are some oh, things really you really want? want? Um, yeah, well, and, and someone to, to work with. Uh, I'd love to be producing full time, and mm-hmm. and for that to be a uh, a profitable venture. And uh, I would love to be able to, you know, give people a proper uh, union wage and all that someday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, that's that's tough with independent films because uh, you don't have the widest distribution. And if you get lucky and you get picked up uh, by a bigger studio and they, they're going to give your your film a wider audience on uh, either through cinematic distribution or, or, or streaming distribution, chances mm-hmm. are if you're if you're not that well known, you're going to you know, they're still going to take most of the money. And then, then it, it's a process until you get to be an established name and then mm-hmm, you have mm-hmm. negotiating power. So, you know, that's why I keep consistently working with Brandon because I think he's a genius writer. I think he's a brilliant director. I agree. And, um, you know, Lloyd has distributed, um, now, uh, this will be the third film that we, uh, that I've been involved with with him. He's already up to five or six. And so um, they're getting a lot of press, these movies. They're very well-reviewed. They're, they're mm-hmm. for what they are, they're very popular. Lloyd, of course, is a household name. Anybody who grew up in the 80s and the 90s or older than that, they know who he is. Any fan of B-movies or horror movies knows Lloyd Kaufman. You know, he's right up there with Roger Corman and, and guys like that. So um, everybody knows Lloyd. And to be affiliated with Lloyd is fantastic. And to be producing films with him that are on par with the quality mm-hmm. of the films that made him famous back in the eighties and nineties, or even, I would say even better than some of those films, maybe in, in some aspects, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, uh, uh, I don't want to be too uh, egotistical here and <laughs> compare my, compare our stuff to the classics. But, you know, I think, uh, I think Shakespeare's poop storm and the slashing films you know, I would say they're they're definitely quality wise right up there with films like the Toxic Avenger, the original class of Newcomb High. My personal favorite uh, trauma movie though is Poultry Geist. I like that one the best. I think that's just phenomenal. Just don't watch that ways. one while eating. 
that while eating. I tried to eat <laughs> during Unless you want to lose weight. <laughs> yeah, if you want yeah, to lose what, weight, just keep poultry guys on all the time. <laughs> I, I would say the sort of person who I wouldn't work with would be anyone who really, whatever, whatever BS they're bringing to the table, it's just not worth it, even if they're showing up for free. And I think those people mm-hmm. who showed up on that set, I'm not going to mention their names, but yeah. if you're watching this, you know who you are and you know what you did. <laughs> That's um, just really funny. I've never heard of that. Shaking, shaking all the assistant directors down for uh, for eighty dollars in gas money when you were told there's there's no payment and mm-hmm. and trying to throw it's it around. Crazy. I was in Romeo and Juliet for two seconds. <laughs> well, like, speaking right, of money, oh, okay. yeah. you know, I, I you probably heard this, but I've definitely heard this in conversation. You know, I want to make a movie, but I don't have the budget. And you know, Lloyd has a book, Make Your Own Damn Movie which discusses and kind of gives a how-to on how to make movies with lower budget. So if someone said to you, man, I want to make this movie. I have this script. Uh, it's a, it'll be 24 minutes. So it'll be a short film, but I don't have the budget. What would you tell them? I would say, um, take out a bunch of credit cards. <laughs> uh, that's how, that's, that's, I mean, you laugh, but this is a legitimate strategy. This is how Kevin I know, Smith did clerks. I know, I know. It's just, it's just so funny because our brains <laughs> work so differently. And mm-hmm. it's just great because I love the alternate point of view here. I'd be like, oh my God. I was like, not doing that. Continue, continue. Oh, I mean, if it doesn't work out, you can always declare bankruptcy and then, you know, <laughs> sarah, sarah. Uh, yeah, take out credit cards, oh, sell yeah. drugs, uh, donate an organ or two, um, get really, really close to any uh, very elderly relatives you have who might right? uh, have some money saved up because if you're lucky, they'll kick the bucket in the next couple of years and then posthumously they, they will uh, be your angel investor. So that's always an option. Um, you mm-hmm. can... Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you could do. I, any, I, my advice to someone who's trying to make a movie is movies cost money. So it really yeah. doesn't matter how creative you are. It doesn't matter how much of a genius you are. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter how many people you could get to show up and do something for free. Something is mm-hmm. going to cost you something somewhere down yeah. the line. There's going to be unavoidable financial expenses. And the biggest expense of all is your time. So you right. need to be situated in life in a way where you have the time to devote yeah. to these kinds of uh, ventures that may not be profitable uh, until the long run pans out. Um, mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I would say uh, for me, you know, I, I, I'm an entrepreneurial person and I, and I, I've always prioritized working for myself. So I'm used to having my own schedule and, and I, I've always prioritized just, you know, making a buck and, and right. this way I could, I could, I could venture into these kind of uh, activities. So, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, but I, I'm coming at things from the producer angle. So yeah. producer, in order to produce, you you either have to be the person paying for things or the person uh, putting things together and figuring out how to get everything done in a way that doesn't cost anything or mm-hmm. more than likely you're doing both. Uh, mm-hmm. And you could, you could be a hired producer. You could go mm-hmm. work for other companies. You don't have to have a dime in your pocket to do that. You're not personally investing in anything. That's, you know, very long hours, very long days uh, working for somebody else. And again, they're going to pay you very little to start with until you make a name mm-hmm. for yourself. Could take five, 10 years. So I would say, um, just be a very frugal-minded person. Don't waste your money on but. life. Uh, try to make as much as you can any way you can. Put it aside. Make a lot of friends. Be a very yeah. likable person uh, so that when you want to put a project together and you say, hey, look, uh, 
you know, I'm doing this for free or I'm doing this for very little money so I can afford to pay other people, but it'll be a lot of fun and you get Mm -hmm. to work with me, uh, then those people will say, oh, yeah, you know, um, yeah, sure, I'll do it. You know, I'll show up on set for a day or two or three or you could shoot a movie in my house or or in the bowling alley I work for, or you could use my car or, you know, my trained gorilla or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> whatever resources you, they have at their disposal. You used to work in finance, right? Didn't you? Many yes, moons I ago? Did. Many okay, moons, so- well, not that many moons ago. I, my father was a Wall Street guy. Uh, he started as a teenager and, and stuck with it his whole life. Uh, never went to college for it, but those days were different. You could kind of do that kind of thing. And he, uh, yeah, he was a Wall Street dude. He was, uh, he was across the street from the towers on 9-11. He worked for Lehman Brothers. Mm-hmm. He got, you know, he got pretty effed over when that, that whole situation went down the drain. But he, again, he stuck with it. He, uh, um, he eventually, uh, had his own company and me and my brother both worked for him for about a, a decade and a half each. So I did, I did, I did raise up, uh, uh some good money doing that and then, uh, invested that money into other entrepreneurial schemes. I, I don't do finance stuff anymore since my father passed away. Um, mm. That ship has kind of sailed. Um, uh, I was mostly doing it, you know, because he was doing it. And, mm. uh, you know, uh, now I'm doing this. <laughs> well, I'm sure but, it taught uh, you something. I'm sure it taught, it taught you some things that you apply I mean, now. It, taught, it definitely taught me um, uh you know, that if you, if you have any amount of capital, uh, set aside, even, even a thousand dollars, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you're working as a day trader, there's a lot you could do with just a thousand dollars. It's risky stuff, but you could do it. Mm-hmm. And, right. and beyond that, you could, you could take out, um, various loans and credit lines and, and, and whatever you could do in life, not just in filmmaking, but in life, whatever you could do on borrowed money is always best. So, um, you know, it's the first rule of business is, is do it with other people's money. Now, in, in regards to mm-hmm, my, mm-hmm. My, my, my projects with trauma, it's my own money that's being used. <laughs> but, you know, it's, they're uh, using it's other whatever. people's money. They're following your no, advice. I'm not, I, I, <laughs> no, I'm not following my own advice. Other people, yeah. They are using other people's money. They are they your are money. <laughs> yeah, well, me and, and well, it's, I yeah. would say Lloyd is the principal financier on these projects, and, and mm-hmm. he's the distributor, and he's the executive, uh, the number one executive producer who has final say on all the um, production and creative decisions there. And, and that's the privilege that, you know, being the financier gives you. The more money you put into something, the more you control you have over the project. And mm-hmm. that applies to filmmaking. It applies to everywhere else. So, you know, my father grew up poor, and he – he 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 got into the middle class vis-a-vis uh, working on Wall Street. And he did well for himself, and you know, and he 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 left a little something behind for me and my brother and and his grandchildren. And you know, uh, he always just taught me the value of being your own boss and working hard. And um, if you if you can set aside, uh, if you have access to money and you're the guy with the money, you can do what you want. But it's mm-hmm. risky. You take a risk. You know, you take mm-hmm. a risk in anything that you invest in. And so you want to be as uh, frugal and sensible as possible. Now, me, as right. as you said, I, I I can be a bit spontaneous, and sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work to my advantage. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking I of uh, more investments over the years, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I I'm still doing okay. I'm coming out on top nine times out of ten. 
Well, making films can cancel out your bank account. <laughs> Definitely. Sure it's can. a possibility. Sure yeah. So we'll mm-hmm. switch to cancel culture. I would love to cancel cancel culture. I can't stand it. I know you're not a big fan or you're a really good pretender. What are some things that you would love to cancel if you were the lord of cancel culture? Well, I don't believe in canceling things. Uh, I think that stuff will organically cancel itself if it is okay. unpopular enough. So uh, this whole idea of people going out there like a like a lynch mob with the pitchforks and the torches and saying, I don't like this and we need to remove it from right. uh, whatever whatever source of distribution it's on, you know, the radio, the cinema, the television, the streaming channels, you know, get rid of it, get rid of it. I don't like it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's absurdly, horrifically arrogant. It's uh it's uh, it's Nazi-esque, it's, it's Stalinist, it's Maoist, it's, it's authoritarian, uh, and, and it's nonsensical because really if, if enough people don't like something, it won't be viable. It won't be economically viable, it won't be culturally viable, it'll disappear on its own, I assure you. But the fact that people are out there clamoring for something to be forcibly removed uh, and they think that if they just, if they just pressure the powers that be enough to to uh, cave to their demands. Uh, I mean, what they're not realizing is, uh, well, there's enough other people who feel very differently about this content, whatever it is, that mm-hmm. it's, it's popular and it's making somebody money or a lot of people money and it's out there. And no, you're not going to cancel it unless you, uh, you know, uh, so, so I don't really understand what the... Uh, you know, what the mentality is. I think it's like these people are very arrogant. I guess they're, they're hoping their thoughts go viral and there's enough other people saying, mm-hmm. oh, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. But they're not realizing there's also a, a, a whole bunch of other people, probably more people saying, oh, but 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 we want this and we're willing to pay for it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this, this talks, everything else walks, you know. Um, nobody cares if you're offended. Nobody cares about your stupid opinions. If you don't like something, mm-hmm. don't watch it, don't listen to it, don't buy it. That's how you cancel something out of your life. And as an American, you have that right. Nobody should be imposing their their stuff onto you. You don't have to listen. You don't have to watch. You certainly don't have to pay for it. But you don't have the right to tell other people you, you can't be exposed to this content. You know, there's a lot of things I don't agree with. Hey, I, I think the world would be a much better place if uh, if every copy of Karl Marx's books just disappeared tomorrow. That guy's, that guy's ideas have led to the deaths so- of over 100 million people. But so maybe that's something you'd like to cancel. Well, no, because then then I would be just another Marxist. I'd be the one rounding right. up books and throwing them on the fire like a Nazi. So right, I'm right, not that right. kind of person. I don't. I, I I because in any way, if you if Karl if Karl Marx's books disappeared tomorrow, some other idiot would have a similar idea, and then he'd have a book that would cause the deaths of another hundred million people in the next century. Because bad ideas always come back around in another form. So it's good mm. to have these ideas already written down so that they could be disputed so that they, you know, like somebody would say, hey, look, this, this book is full of bad ideas. That's why, no, we shouldn't censor Mein Kampf. We shouldn't censor Karl Marx. We shouldn't censor anything because mm-hmm. if an idea is terrible enough, you can refute it easily with logic and evidence. But You're the minute bad. something becomes taboo, then then it gains a whole other power once you bring something you make something prohibited. You actually give it strength because now true. people are curious. Oh, 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 what's this banned book? I got to go find a copy somewhere. And you can't yeah. ever totally ban anything. 
Some, there's always yeah, I've never, um, I know they tried to ban Dr. Seuss and I found myself craving Dr. Seuss. It's like they tried to, yeah. there's all this talk about banning abortion. It's like when you go on a diet, uh, you know, I used to crave mint chocolate chip ice cream and I really wanted to just pull over to Carvel. I can't have the ice cream. It's like, I never found myself craving an abortion so much. I never wanted abortion, but they tell me I can't have one. Now I want one. That's a crazy way. Part of your rant, you said Hitler, Stalin, now. It reminds me of Alex Jones. who's like, Hitler took the guns. Stalin took the guns. Mao took the guns. This everything will commence again. I was like, oh, let's see. You got, you got a lot of Alex Jones fire in you. I'm the cancel culture topic. I love Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones is great. And look Me what too. happened. They tried to silence him. You know, they, they hit him with that BS lawsuit. And uh, uh, I, I don't agree with what he said about Sandy Hook, by the way. But I actually right. do believe that he sincerely believed what he was saying was correct. This is a guy right. who, who deals with a lot of conspiracy theories. And nine times out of ten, they turn out to be true. So... In his in his worldview, he thinks that this whole thing might might have been fabricated, and mm-hmm. I can understand why he would think. That. And I don't. Uh, I I understand why that's an offensive thought to the people who lost someone in that tragedy. Obviously, sure. um, just like you know, my uh, my 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 father lost a lot of friends on September 11th. He ultimately succumbed to a cancer that I think was related to, to the events mm. of that day. And and when people used to say, you know, 9/11 was an inside job, I was very offended and very upset mm. at the thought of that. And, you know, nowadays with, with everything that's happened since in the last 20 years, I, I, I don't claim to know exactly what happened on that right. day, but I, right. I'll tell you this, I no longer believe the official narrative. There was something else fishy going on. Well, the on insurance, exactly, wasn't, wasn't that, oh, yeah, the, so so there was an insurance. Yeah, somebody bought the building. A week before. Right. Harry Silverstein, I think, purchased the building. Um, they call him Lucky Larry. I call myself Lucky Steve, but um, uh, that's a funny parallel. But yeah, this guy he got real lucky. He he took out uh, he bought the World Trade Center. I don't know who owned it previously, but he purchased it and he took out like a multi billion dollar insurance policy that right um, had a provision for terrorism, which is not that suspicious because within a week of it happening. Well, that's I think the it was within a week. I mean, that's if, the timeline. It's a very yeah, weird if you, timeline. If you're gonna, yeah, yeah. If you're going to own a skyscraper in New York, you want insurance that covers terrorism because of the, you know the first World Trade Center attack happened in '93. But uh, what was very suspicious, I, I forget the timeline. I'd have to look it up. But he, uh, yeah, he, it, very shortly after, it might have even been like within a day or a week, the towers right. got hit. Right. And so many other things. So many other things. So many then. other so things. So I don't get offended by. Cons- conspiracy theories i want to know more you got a theory about some shady stuff you think is going on okay even if i think it's ridiculous at first i might Share you know look into yeah. it a little because you never know yeah. you have to be open yeah, that's how you learn you, just can't trust, you can't trust anything these days is what we've learned but yeah they tried mm-hmm. to cancel alex jones and look what happened they just gave him free publicity you know, there's, and there's, there's no such thing as bad. We have one minute on the clock. So list your Instagram, Facebook, website, anything, final words. We got about 40 seconds. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Lucky Steve. Um, I don't use last names on social media because mm-hmm. uh, I'm a bit of a private person. And um, okay. I, I operate under a few different stage names anyway. But anyone who knows me knows me as Lucky Steve. And uh, you can see, find me on Instagram as uh, uh Lucky Centaur, just that whole Sagittarius thing again. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's some fun stuff on there if you uh, <laughs> are, are, are inclined uh, towards uh, 
you know, some esoteric reading materials and visual materials. And he uh, posts a lot of a know. lot of ideas that the mainstream media maybe doesn't post. And before we get cut off, I'll just say thank you for yeah. listening to It Came From The... Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi, this is Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers in the 25th century, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. You had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.